Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. I started a new series to explore the product development and management body of knowledge. And while it has been updated many times since, this is the body of knowledge I discovered in 2007 that led to many aha moments for me as a product manager. It gave me a framework for integrating what a product manager does and what product leaders need to do. And I've since taught it to many other product managers. Now, every other week, we are exploring one of the seven knowledge areas. Today, we're discussing strategy. This is the foundation for product managers as organizational strategy impacts product strategy. By aligning the two, we create more value for the organization and we accelerate our careers in the process. To discuss this, our guest is Dr. Alan Anderson, past chairman of PDMA and the person who led the development of the first and second editions of the Body of Knowledge Manual. He has a long career in product management, primarily in food products. He also joined us two weeks ago, providing an overview of the entire body of knowledge. And today, we'll be focusing on strategy. Now, remember, if you hear anything you want to go back to or you want an easy way to share this with others, we take detailed notes of everything we discuss. You'll find that at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 309. You'll also find a one-page PDF there to help you quickly take action. We call it the action guide. Now, let's talk about strategy. Alan, thank you for joining the Everyday Innovators. My pleasure, Chad. So we had the pleasure of talking just last week, as far as listeners are listening to this, about the PDMA body of knowledge for product managers and innovators. And we're starting a series to go through the seven knowledge areas of that body of knowledge. And the first one is strategy. And you are the author of that section, So I get to ask you questions about what is strategy, at least in terms of PDMA and the body of knowledge. That's a good place to start. How would you describe strategy for us? Well, let me let me just use one of the quotes from the BOK to start with, and then I'll I'll maybe expand on that a little. Excellent. So, and we've got we've got a number of different quotes or definitions of of strategy in in the BOK, Uh, and it's not intended to cause confusion. I think just about every business author has actually written their own definition of what strategy yes. is. And there's a, a plethora of these around in the literature. This is one, as uh, Kotler's one, an organized uh, strategy is an organization's game plan for achieving its long-term objectives in light of its industry position, opportunities, and resources. And then we have a Porter one, It defines and communicates an organization's unique position and says how organizational resources, skills, competencies should be combined to achieve competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, basically what that's saying, you know, a lot of of strategies are described in in war terms uh, and in these days gaming. It's really positioning the company in a way that it can use its resources the competitive advantage it has to actually achieve its specific goals that are defined by the company. Uh, that's, that's basically what it is. Good. And yeah. there can be strategies. That, uh, there is no singular strategy, or at least I don't believe there is. That in my view, 
companies as a whole, organizations as a whole, should have a strategy for their business, which defines how they're going to achieve their business goals. Embedded within that are a number of other sub-strategies, if you want to call them that, contributing strategies like the marketing strategy for the company, the IP strategy, and of course, the innovation strategy, which is a key component of the overall business strategy and, and an overall contributor in most companies to achieving business aims or business goals. I find it very natural that the body of knowledge uh, starts with strategy as the first section. I, if I was creating this myself, I don't know if I would have put it there originally, but now having been through it, that's where it fits because strategy drives everything else that we talk about in, in innovation. And I often encounter product managers who don't, their work, they don't, when I ask them how is their work connected to the strategy or the strategic objectives of the organization, too frequently they don't have a clear connection, right? And sometimes they don't even have a handle on what the strategy of the organization is. It hasn't been articulated, at least in a, in a manner that they remember and are able to talk about. So I think building that as a foundation is really helpful. And, and that section talks indeed about how does the organizational strategy impact our work in innovation and product management. I'm curious, Chaz. Chaz I mean, <laughs> so you wouldn't, you wouldn't have put it at the beginning uh, of the book to start with. Where would you have put it? I have to think back, way back to like 2007 when I was first involved with PDMA, right? And there was a new group of us for our local chapter for Denver, and we were trying to get our hands around, you know, what, what does PDMA say about product management? And at one point, we actually thought about trying to create our own, you know, some version of the body of knowledge, because there wasn't something, as we talked about back in the introduction, the last episode of this, there wasn't something to get our hands around that was kind of concise, you know, I, now I, I've been, you know, through the other experiences, I, I would obviously, yeah, strategy is where it fits in the beginning. But then I think I would have thought more in terms of just process, right? A product manager is involved with develop, taking ideas and turning those into a concept and building a business case around it and then seeing that developed into something real, whether it's tangible or a service and tangible or something, and then getting in the hands of customers and then living through the experiences with the customer. And I think about that just in terms of that process. And I think I w would have been a little disconnected at the time with how strategy relates to that, frankly. Yeah, it's interesting because you're not the first person to raise that. And I mean, for me, when, when I embarked on, on the first edition, I never questioned whether strategy should be first. It seemed obvious to me it should be, but then subsequent discussions with other people I did start to question that myself, and then I guess it, 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 it came down to some people's aversion to uh, what appears to be a hierarchy of, of, of activities mm. or within the book. I've got to say, when, when you're teaching people, particularly in, in, in Asian countries and other, other countries that have a different way of learning, trying to convince people that everything must be done in parallel and they all flow together and all that sort of thing can be incredibly confusing. Mm. So, you know, and it also, if you try to write that in a book, it, it becomes incredibly more complex than, than presenting this hierarchical approach right. we've got. So I'm happy with, with having strategy as, as the first chapter. When, mm -hmm. when I'm teaching it now, it naturally flows to actually talk about why a company exists, uh, what is it seeking to achieve, right. what is innovation contributing to that, and this is what we need to do to achieve those goals in terms of innovation. And this is how we do the innovation. And this is the kind of 
information you need. These are the tools you use. This is the kind of research that you need to underpin that. This is the kind of culture that you need to actually support that innovation and, and the innovation processes. It all makes it all makes sense to me when I'm teaching it, and that for me is is the key to this. Really, um, yeah. it, hopefully, yeah. it makes sense to the reader. Um, so. Right. I think it is the important foundation to begin with. And a connection I had that that helped with this a little bit was many years ago, first state of the credit card processing company, they had they were providing an incentive for all of their employees to get MPDP certified, the certification that this body of knowledge relates to, the new product the new product development professional certification, MPDP. And I thought that was really interesting. Why would an entire organization of their magnitude, incentivize their employees to get MPDB certified. Not just the people in product, but everyone, right? And it was because they had created a, a strategy before of how they were going to stand out in the marketplace and achieve double-digit profit growth. And they had set the expectation with Wall Street as a public company about doing so. And they had a five-year plan that was focused, I think, 60% of the weight of that plan was from new product developments. So in this context, new product being products that they would be introducing over the next five years, right? Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden that kind of tied things together for me. It's like, okay, as a public organization, they need to get their profit margin up higher uh, to be more appealing to stockholders. And they had made this, set this expectation with Wall Street. And they're going to do that by developing more valuable products for customers. And to get there, we're going to have everyone know about at least the foundation, you know, get MPDB certified so we can all talk the same language and know what's involved in developing products. That was interesting to me. Tie together some concepts. Yeah, it is interesting because I, I, mean, I have a similar story dating back many years now to when I was chief executive of an organization here in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And it was for a, a government-controlled organization a dairy, in the dairy industry. And each five years, the, the, the organization or the company had to be audited. And one of the elements of, of the audit was actually the innovation uh, practices. Now, I had the privilege, well, I, I chose to do it as chief executive to lead the exercise of benchmarking. And we used a, a process that's similar to what's actually described in the introduction to the BOK, but the doing the right things which is all about strategy portfolio, doing things right, which is all about the processes and having the tools and so forth, and then the culture and teams and leadership, and then measuring results and improving performance on the basis of that. So we actually benchmark the organization against international companies and the literature on, on that basis. Mm. And But to do that, the key thing was that we used it not only to provide a basis for the auditing process, but we used it to actually bring together people from across different functions within the company to contribute to their views on how innovation was actually going in the company, how well were we performing. And that provided a point of discussion for where the strengths and weaknesses are. And in fact, you probably, at the, at the end of, of, of the be okay. I think in one of the appendices, in, in addition to, there's actually a survey that I use in companies, which gets encourages people from across company to get together and and discuss where the strengths and weaknesses are. And it's it's, it's interesting to see if you gather a group of people from marketing and from technical and from procure, procurement and from accounting, and you ask them how we're performing on 
I don't know, financial evaluation. And one group will say, we're fantastic. We scored a 10 out of 10. And another group will say, well, no, no, we're, we're pretty poor on this. <laughs> we only do one or two. So it, it encourages that discussion and that cross-company involvement in innovation and, and not simply leaving it to the innovation department or the uh, marketing department or whoever is responsible in, in a company. So, yeah, I, 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 it's, I, I'm a strong advocate of, of cross-company cross commitment to an involvement in, in innovation, not just leaving it to one department. We'll be back with Alan and more strategy insights in just a moment. I shared in the introduction to this episode that I had a lot of these aha moments when I was learning the body of knowledge of product management. It gave me a framework for me to understand the breadth and depth of what we do, knowing when to focus on what activities and the relationships between all of that work. Also, I could be more effective developing products that customers really love. And I found others had the same experience when they encountered the knowledge areas. This led me to creating a program, a program that I have shared with many companies called the RPM Experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. It's a system to increase the performance of product management groups and product teams. In nine weeks, meaning virtually 75 minutes a week, product people get on the same page, learning foundational knowledge, improving their collaboration with each other, and developing a more clear customer focus. It's a transformative experience that I've seen many times in groups, how they grow together. Further, customers keep telling me what a great value the RPM experience is, and frankly, that it should cost more. So I'm listening. I am raising the price 15% for 2021. If you book an RPM experience before next year, before 2021, you'll still get the lower price. Find all the details at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. Now, back to strategy. This notion of where strategy comes from, we've talked about the definition. Uh, another topic from the chapter here in the body of knowledge is tying, first becoming aware of the organizational identity and then how that kind of leads into thinking about strategy. What, what are the key elements of organizational identity when we think about, you know, what's our organization about? I mean, organizational identity really is a statement of, 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 of what the organization stands for, what it exists. and. If I give you an example, from we, we own a, a company here in New Zealand. It's a fishing company hmm. uh, that exports um, fishing products around the world, primarily to China, and it's a family-owned company. Now, we've gone through this process of, of strategy development and identifying our goals. Now, because we're a family-owned company, we have a history, a tradition, we have a heritage. If you look at our website, you can actually see the pride there is in this company. Now, our reason for being is, yes, to make money. We, we have to deliver uh, returns to our shareholders. But our identity is very much associated with the, with the ancestors the, who've actually set up this company and, and what they mean for this company. And we use that not only as a driver in terms of, of our, our uh, ethical standards, but also in terms of, the, of our product standards and product quality that we actually produce as well. So whereas many other companies, publicly owned companies, maybe don't have the same level of, of, of identity with, with, with heritage as, as maybe we do, but they have other identifying factors that are primarily driven around um, stakeholder returns and so forth. So you have to know what your company wants, what they want to achieve out of it. And I think the important thing is that it's communicated to the whole company. So this becomes a, quite a, a key element in terms of, 
creation of environment within a company. Mm -hmm. And I think in turn, hopefully, in creating that really underpinning culture that's that's remains for a long, long time. Um, yeah. I think culture is a very key uh, aspect. It's hard for me to separate a strategy discussion from culture, right? And there's that Peter Ducker fam famous quote that was an article also on, <clears throat> what is it? Uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture just is kind of a special sauce. And we have a, another chapter on culture, so I'm going to save that <laughs> as, a, yeah. as a, a separate yeah. section. But on this topic of strategy and organizational identity, you know, things that you're talking about, you know, the, the history, the, the purpose, the, the mission of the organization all ties into that. Mm. And part of that is also kind of the vision, right, where we want to be going as an organization. And I was recently working with a company, and they did not have a they, – they couldn't find for me anywhere a clearly articulated vision for that organization. And one of the guys said, well, you know, isn't vision kind of an outdated notion, right? We, we, we have our mission. We know what we're about. And so we just talked about that a little bit. And then it came up in subsequent interactions, there were some decisions that needed to get made. And without knowing where we were heading, it was really challenging to be able to decide if that was, you know, is this acquisition the right acquisition to make? Is, is, does that consistent with where you're going as an organization? And all that kind of ties into organizational identity, right? Absolutely. And again, you know, harking back to this fishing company, it's a it's a now a third generation and we're moving into the fourth generation of this company. Now mm. most family owned companies don't e don't exist past the the third generation. That's right. Yeah, the, the kids don't want to take it on. And so we our 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 goals for the company are are not just to make profit. They're they're actually to provide the culture, the fabric of of, of engagement for the whole family. So it's it's not just the company becomes almost a centerpiece for the glue for bringing this family together. Mm. And so to that end, we've just recently developed a family charter to actually involve the next generation. So this is all part of the vision moving forward. And so, and you could call it strategy if you like sure. uh, in the end, but that's, I mean, that's a very, it's a very simple example, but it's, to me, it's quite meaningful because it's one of the, one of the, one of the real issues I think around this topic is that when you teach it and you actually take it out into companies and you do consulting work, you invariably end up with very trite mission and vision statements that if you look at a whole collection of them across the global companies, basically there's a, a lexicon of the same words used, but just used in different orders. And I think it's really important when you're developing a vision for a company that you you, you you take it from your from a very personal perspective within the company itself and, and, and try to make it very real for the for the company and the people involved in the company and don't just pick it up from some consulting manual from some um, from another company that lo right. looks really good to you worldwide. Um, right. Yeah, it needs to be inspiring and, and personal and relatable to others. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. So the, the this knowledge section introduces strategy, different definitions of strategy, how we think about organizational strategy. And then it goes on to introduce innovation strategy and a number of different frameworks for that. Let's spend some time just talking through the, the frameworks a bit that are in there for innovation strategy. There's quite an emphasis in, in, in the book on, on innovation strategy being embedded within overall business strategy and, and the fact that it should not sit in isolation. Now, I, I guess there's a, there's a key question as to whether innovation strategy should drive business strategy or business strategy should drive innovation strategy. And 
to me, I, I think it's it's a kind of yin yang sort of thing. It's a you uh, one does doesn't necessarily drive the other. They actually work in harmony, and I think that's the key thing here. I'm not a great advocate of of downward delivery of, of 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 edicts on what should happen in different strategies or different departments in company. I think it's very important that everybody works together. So yeah, innovation strategy ultimately delivers the against the goals that the company set and is consistent with the vision. And you should see those connections very clearly in, in, in whatever you write with an innovation strategy. And innovation strategy is, is, in terms of strategy definition, is very much the same as what we use for the generic definition of strategy. It's actually achieving the goals you want to achieve using the resources to achieve competitive advantage. Exactly the same thing, but focused around specifically, in this case, product innovation. We, when you're embarking on, on developing an innovation strategy, we recognize that people need some frameworks to assist them in actually developing the strategy. So you just don't just launch out there and say, let's develop a strategy. And, and mm-hmm. so all right, we'll start here. And, and most people aren't, aren't able to do that. So we've provided a selection of, of frameworks, by no means a complete selection. And so we have the, the Porter framework, which has been used for many years, Miles and Snow, which probably dates back to 1980s, I think, mm-hmm. Pisano landscape model. Uh, there's a number of them we have in there. Now, in my opinion, none of these do the job on their own, but they give you guidance for what you should be looking for. So right. you could use the Porter model in combination with Pisano's thinking in terms of breakthrough products and, and incremental products and so forth. Combine all these things together, I think, gives you a, a good sense of what you should be looking for. And then you can use something like a, a business landscape type um, mm-hmm. model to actually, to actually, I guess, help you along with your thinking to, to give you some direction. Yeah, n- number of good tools. And I think we do need a starting place as we, we start considering what is our innovation strategy. Looking at those previous models like Porter, that you know, are we going to be a, a low cost leader or are we going to create differentiation in the marketplace and at what level of differentiation, right? Broad or more of a niche. Miles and Snow, I personally relate to this one of my favorite, even though it's so old, I just find it applies so well. You know, are we doing new products that the world has never seen before? Like 3M does some of that, or are we doing a really good job of making products that we've seen better? You know, we're creating a better smartphone that's out in the, yeah. out in the marketplace now. And I do find that these help, they really help product managers and innovators have a language to talk with each other about, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what is the work that we're doing? And it might help relieve some frustrations because if you're someone that really wants to be doing new to the world products and you can't figure out why you, you can't get that going in your organization, well, maybe it's because your organization happens, happens to be good at something else, right? Being a, a the fast follower that says we're going to make something better. Or maybe you're in the wrong organization, right? They're really driving costs out of it, and you're not going to have a chance to do a new of the world product. And, of course, that discussion leads very clearly into the criteria that you use then in your portfolio selection. Mm-hmm. Right. Which becomes really, really critical because, I mean, this whole process of, of, of the innovation strategy provides you with this basis for selecting the right portfolio because again so many pe- companies just launch into whatever's flavor of the month or whatever the boss's wife says we should be developing um, this month or mm-hmm. whatever and i so yeah i like miles and snow too and it was interesting when i first looked at including that in, in 
in the first edition, I looked at the date that it was it was first published, and I thought, hmm. And I had a few comments saying, well, it's a bit old, isn't it? So, well, hang on, it's it's still pretty current, isn't it? It's, it's, right, it still applies. Haven't changed greatly over the years. So, uh, yep. So, some things are are you know, seminal; they they still work for us. So. Absolutely. Okay, so being familiar with this section from the previous edition, talking about strategy and how that relates to our innovation strategy and helping us with some frameworks for that. There are also a couple of new topics that were in strategy. The first one I want to ask you about is open innovation. I'll just leave it there. I'll tell you later why I'm curious about this. How did open innovation make its way into strategy? <laughs> here's, here's, here's our definition of open innovation that we've actually okay. used in the book. And I agree with you. And other people have, have, have debated with me, should it have been in the process section? Should it be a tool? We settle on, on this definition. The strategy of innovation is the strategy adopted by an organization whereby it actively seeks knowledge from external sources through alliances, partnerships, and contractual arrangements to complement and enhance its internal capability in pursuit of improved innovation outcomes. Okay. Seeking knowledge outside the walls of the organization. Yeah. Bringing it in, complementing what, what we have within an organization to meet the overall business goals. Mm-hmm. Now, I, in doing that, you will employ certain processes. You will employ certain tools as part of that. But overall, to me, it's a strategy. It, it's, it's something that we are employing to to achieve the the end goals of, of of our business mission vision and overall business strategy. So to me, it's a it's a it's a complementing, it's an underpinning strategy that enables to deliver against our goals. So I, I I still believe it is a strategy, but it's like a lot of things in this book. I mean, there's a number of things that could have been put in one section or another, and sure. yeah, so. I, 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 can't, I can't give you a definitive sort of, yes, it definitely should be there. It's my opinion it should be a strategy. I'm glad to see it in the box. Open innovation is an important perspective for us as innovators and product managers to have our hands around, for certainly. Yeah. I, I don't mind it being in strategy at all. I was just kind of curious about its, its presence. So I'm glad it was in there someplace. I, I think of it as an innovation methodology, and there's others too, and we could easily write a book on innovation methodologies, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I see why you characterize it as a strategy for the organization as well. Okay. The other one is sustainability. And last week we teed this up a little bit in the introduction. Sustainability has become a more important topic for product managers. And I, when I say sustainability, I'm usually characterizing it in that uh, triple bottom line sense, right? The we, we need to do innovation that is profitable so we can keep doing more, that is economically, sorry, is environmentally friendly and responsible, and also takes care of society in some sense, the employees and the community. Sustainability is now in a few places, but it's addressed in strategy. How is it addressed in the strategy section? Okay, well, let me give you some, some background to how sustainability got included in the first BOK, because that's, okay. we'll move on to why it's in strategy now. When we were writing the first BOK, there was a significant need for speed. We had a delivery time to to meet in for the Chinese market, and to be honest with you, I think it was about four months from beginning to end, from from beginning to write the thing to when it was actually uh, launched. 
We sought feedback from a number of people, and one of them was our special interest group on sustainability. And they said, you must have some reference to sustainability in the BOK. And I think everybody agreed. We didn't have a lot of time to really think through how this should happen. But at the same time, we were also getting a lot of feedback saying you need to have more emphasis on product management, particularly lifecycle management. And rightly or wrongly, we decided to have this section seven, chapter seven in the first BOK, which we entitled lifecycle management. And we had two sections within that chapter. And one was product lifecycle and the other was a lifecycle assessment and sustainability. I don't, personally at the time, I didn't think it was ideal, but I, at the time we didn't have the time to, to actually really rethink and, and develop that more. And, and so when we came to edition two, we decided that sustainability, uh, the topics under that sustainability or life cycle sustainability section in chapter seven and BOK one uh, was better distributed across the book. So there are aspects of life cycle, sustainability-related life cycle that sat better in strategy. It's part of strategy. It's, 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 it should be part of your mission and vision, and, right. and that's the way we describe it. But there's also tools associated, like life cycle assessment or triple bottom line, which actually sit better in the tool section. Right. So... We're we're not actually diminishing, I think, the the, the, the importance or downgrading the importance of, of, of sustainability. I think we're we're making it hopefully more important in, in actually showing that it's part of the whole fabric of the innovation process all the way from strategy through to in delivery products. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it makes more sense, as you said. It should be something we're thinking about up front as part of ideation and a strategy feeds into then ideation and uh, part of our strategy and it shows up other places as well. And as I talk with companies about uh, these topics and helping their product managers, I'm pleased how often there's more connections to sustainability than I may have envisioned, right? So recently I, I've been doing work with SAP, which is the world's largest uh, enterprise resource pl uh, planning system, right? ERP system. And I thought, you know, when we were talking about sustainability, I just kind of had it in my head. Well, they're probably doing something to, you know, keep their data centers more energy efficient and, you know, do something along that way. And I was amazed at how much they have built into their ERP so that their customers can keep track of their sustainability by using their tool set, right? So they've built into SAP ERP system all kinds of information to help you track your sustainability better as an organization. Mm -hmm. thought, oh, what an interesting thing for me to discover that I just didn't think about. Yeah, and I think we, you know, I would, I'd be surprised if in, in addition three of the BOC would be okay that there isn't a greater emphasis on, on sustainability. I think mm -hmm. there needs to be more. It's, it's, it's evolution. You know, I think we're, we're evolving this. It, which, so we should be. I mean, we should be evolving this be okay. One of the issues before was that we sat on one for about 15 or 20 years and didn't change much. But now we're committed to a, a, a three-year cycle of, of, of updating, basically. Yeah, it means I need to hire some people to help me keep the training more updated than I do as well. So uh, th these are all important topics. Strategy drives a lot of our other thinking. It makes sense for us to start there. In our next session on this, we will be going into portfolio management with the author of that knowledge area. And no surprise that strategy and portfolio management are well-related also. So thanks for giving us a little insights into strategy in that knowledge section of the book. 
Listeners know I love innovation quotes. What do you have for us for innovation quotes? Okay. Well, this is one that's, that's I'll give you two. There's, there's one that, that's commonly used, which I, I really do like. Product innovation is the lifeblood of companies. And I, I, I can't tell you, who, it's certainly not a quote from me specifically. But it's I've used, used it too, and I don't know who I'm stealing it from. No, I don't know where you're stealing it, but I like it. And it's a lifeblood in terms of not only um, growing a company, but actually sustaining a company, maintaining it, its current position. But another one that I really do like, and it's, it's attributed to Lord Ernest Rutherford, who actually is a New Zealander, or was a New Zealander, born in Nelson here in New Zealand and was attributed with the first to split the atom. Hmm. And he used this quote, we haven't got the money, so we've got to think. Now, this resonates for me, coming from a little country like New Zealand with 5 million people, which really doesn't have a lot of money to throw at product innovation. So we have to be very careful how we actually use that money. We have to think very clearly. And so hmm. I think the level of creativity and, and the, the, the frugality or the way we actually spend that money it is much more focused than it is in a lot of large companies where they think by throwing money at, at innovation, innovation is going to be better. But in my opinion, that isn't necessarily the case. So I like that we haven't got the money, so we've got to think. Yeah, I, I find that having constraints helps with innovation and makes product managers more efficient. And it causes you know the... the what, what is that great phrase I'm drawing a blank on? Necessity is the mother of all innovation, right? And it does cause that by having constraints in place, we have to think a little bit differently maybe than we used to. It's in, I was going to mention that, Chad. If you, if, if, if you look around the world now as a result of the pandemic, COVID, and there is a huge number of, of amazing innovations that have resulted from, from the necessity here of pandemic. Yes, um, and you know, we're seeing heaps of them here in New Zealand, and they're happening all around the world. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's but so often we sit in the cozy world where we throw a lot of money, a lot of resources at, at, at things, and and we don't have to think too much about what we do. We right. we basically just expect it to happen. And, I appreciate sharing the quote. Uh, I also like the connection to uh, physics uh, very much as well. So that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, th this COVID thing, I, I remain optimistic. And some of my friends and people I talk to are quite down. And I understand why. And the uncertainty and the change, you know, is annoying for sure. And it's e that's easy to wear on anyone. It wears on me at times as well. But I'm an innovator. Right. And I know the constraints that are being brought to society now because of the pandemic in a few, I don't know what the time frame is going to be, but we're going to see in a few months to a few years, new companies, new capabilities that got started because of now that would not have ever existed otherwise. And I know we will be able to innovate our way into a better place in due time. I couldn't agree more. And I know with our small company that I referred to before, our fishing company, that mm -hmm. we we believe that we actually positioned ourselves probably unintentionally for a world that was post-pandemic through moving away from bulk supply fish into uh, home delivery chilled fish products, which given the current concerns about contamination and so forth and the need for tracking of origin and so forth, that this has actually put us in a great position for the future. And you know, we, we've talked about this recently, that, that the pandemic is actually, it, it will force 
a number of changes and people who don't change. It is a disruptive influence. Right. We talked about disruption in, in, in the strategy section of the, of the BOK as well. If you don't recognize that, that the potential impact of disruption within your company, then you're, you won't survive for the next five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's right. Very good. Okay. Thank you so much for taking us through the first knowledge section of the body of knowledge for product managers and innovators. We got a few items of strategy under our belt. We'll tackle portfolio management next time. Alan, when we were together last time, you shared that your LinkedIn profile is a good place to connect with you. Is that still the case? Yes, indeed. I will put that in the show notes. Or through PDMA, um, okay. the association. They know how to get a hold of you since you helped edit and put this all together. Okay. Alan, thank you again for your time. Well, thanks, Chad. Thanks for everything you do. And uh, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so that you can do what? You can create those products that customers love. Find all of the details that Alan shared with us along with the one-page action guide to help you take action now on those topics of strategy at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 309. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.